Well, in keeping with the theme of the weekend, uh, I just, I, you know, I want to talk about something else this morning. I want to introduce you to somebody in just a moment. You know, before Jesus ascended, just it was after his death on the cross and after his resurrection and after a period of time that he had done some really final ministry uh, here on earth, and just before he was ascended into heaven, he said to his disciples, who were, really were asking a completely different question, but he answered them by saying this. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That phrase, ends of the earth, can also be translated the remotest part of the earth. And normally, when we come across that verse, we interpret that geographically. I think that's a very appropriate way to interpret it because that does seem to be contextually what Jesus is talking about. And, but I think, I think we also can look at that not just geographically, but I think we can think of this at the remotest parts of the earth. I think we can think about those places as places that are remote in the sense that they are the least morally desirable places to be, places where there's not a whole lot of light, not a whole lot of goodness, perhaps, places that most of us don't want to go. I'm very excited this morning to get to introduce you to our guest this morning, who I, I really believe is doing just that. I love to focus on people and organizations that are taking risks in the name of Christ locally. Amanda Schmidt is the founder of a new ministry that she is really just at the very beginning of launching, and it's a ministry called the Hadassah Group. And I want you to hear what this ministry is about, because I think it might be something that there are some of our people uh, that would like to be involved in, and maybe that you would even want to invest in uh, financially. And if you would, I'd like for you to just take a moment and uh, just welcome Amanda Schmidt, and we're going to get a chance to hear more about her ministry now. Amanda, if you would, come on up, come right over there. Amanda, welcome. We're so glad to have you here this morning. Thanks for being willing to come, and um, I'll get that. Drop for you. my water bottle on the ground. That's Sorry all right. about that. Thanks for being willing to come and, and talk this morning. And we, you know, we want to hear a little bit about your ministry. But before we get to any of that, I just, if you would, just kind of tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, where you're from. You know, just some of that kind of stuff. Do you mind to do that? No. Uh, but before I start, I want to kind of echo what Jeff said and just say thank you. Um, thank you for letting me come, and thank you for the risk you took this weekend. Um, as you'll hear later on, uh, this industry is something that is a very, uh, it's a burden on my heart and a passion of mine and of the people that are involved with the Hadassah Group. So thank you for being a church willing to talk about that. You bet. Uh, so as Jeff said, my name is Amanda Schmidt, and before we kind of get into what I'm doing, I thought it, it might be helpful if you kind of know where I came from. I am not from Evansville. I am a transplant, I guess is the title people use. I was born on the East Coast and then moved to Lafayette, Indiana um, in junior high. So my first trip to Evansville was as a freshman at USI. I have a degree in economics, which was not a super practical degree. So when I finished college, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but I was sure I was not going to live in Evansville. <laughs> so I packed my bags and moved to the other side of the world to teach English for a year 
That was as far from Evansville as I could get. Where, where, where is the other side of the world? Uh, I taught on a little island called Saipan. It's oh. in between Japan and the Philippines. I thought you were talking about Kentucky, but yeah. I, 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 I wasn't sure. Go ahead. No, yeah. Um, and I have to say, uh, after about two months there, I realized teaching was just not the calling on my life. There are worse places to figure that out. But uh, my plans of staying there for a long time were cut short because I just, I didn't like being a teacher. So almost one year to the exact day, I moved back to Evansville. God has a sense of humor sometimes. Mm -hmm. And pursued a master's degree and was pretty sure I was going to get my two-year degree and get the heck out of here. I was going to move out west and um, fight social justice and climb mountains. And then I met my husband fell in love, and um, through some convincing and a lot of prayer, I just really felt like God saying, I'm not done with you in Evansville. And so we got married seven months ago, and we live on the north side with a chocolate lab that we absolutely adore. And with that, Evansville has become a home and become a place that I'm so passionate about and so thankful that God intervened and said, I'm not done with you in Evansville. Oh, fantastic. What's your husband's name? Jordan. Jordan. And he is right here. Raise your hand just so everybody... In fact, just stand up. Just stand up. Would you do that, please? Come on, stand up so everybody can welcome you. It's a new thing we're starting at our church. Anybody who's new to our church, we're going to have them stand up and we're going to make them wave and stuff. No, we're, we're not going to do that. Just, just, just you this morning. Okay, so um, what does Adasa mean and what... You know, what is it that you guys, what's your group, what, what's it about? Well, our vision is to share the hope and freedom of Christ with women in the sex industry. Uh, practically in Evansville, we want to reach out to the local strip clubs. We really feel like that is where um, we can have a ministry. And so our plan uh, is to take a very small outreach team once a month into the strip clubs and bring a tangible, a small gift, a cupcake, cookies, something in to just say, hey, we care about you, we want to support you, um, we love you, and uh, we're not really sure how it's going to work, but we've connected with some other ministries um, around the country that are doing this and have been doing this for a while. The name Hadassah uh, has kind of a twofold meaning. Um, Hadassah means compassion, which is really what we want to share um, with the women is compassion. And uh, personally, as a little girl, I loved the story of Esther. Probably most little girls do. And her Jewish name was Hadassah. That's what she was um, raised as. And as a young girl, she got picked to be queen and had to become Esther. And as Esther, she was able to um, save the Jews. And so she had to kind of trade her identity. And as I really prayed through this ministry, ultimately what we want is for these women to trade their identity. We want them to uh, hang up the shoes and give up the stripper name and become a new creation in Christ. And so that picture of Esther is, is what we want to carry into this ministry. So, I, now, how did you get into this? Because, you know, you 
came from Lafayette, and, you know, it doesn't sound like you had any background in that. I, I don't mean that to, I'm not sure what that means. It just doesn't sound like you had much background in this. So what, how did you get into this? Uh, that's a good question. I am probably the last person that I ever thought would be part of this. Um, not sure my parents are still super excited that I'm part of this. <laughs> Uh, I grew up in church. They had me there every time the doors were open. In junior high and high school, I went to a Christian school. So my homework assignments were things like memorizing scripture, diagramming the book of Proverbs. I, I just had a very different uh, experience. We were good kids. We didn't get in trouble. Um, we kind of stayed the straight and narrow. I came to college as a freshman, and I'm a huge nerd. So I spent a lot of my Friday nights in the library, because that's what nerds do. Um, so it, it really wasn't until after college. Um, when I graduated, before I moved overseas, I spent two months in Africa. And that experience rocked my world and broke my heart for these issues of of poverty and injustice and trafficking. And it, I'd always been interested in them, but all of a sudden they had faces and they had names and they were friends and they were people that through no fault of their own um, were just born into a different um, environment. And so I came back and I spent um, the last kind of four years really reading and learning about trafficking and about um, the sex industry and just God really put a passion in my heart um, for freedom and for um, reaching out to those women. Uh, when I wound up in Evansville, uh, I really started praying about, okay, what does that look like here? What does the sex industry look like in Evansville? And I kind of settled on the strip clubs and a lot of it was because I drive by one every single day on my way to work. And I had connected with a ministry in Louisville that was doing something similar. There wasn't a ministry here. And so I said, okay, um, this is what I'm going to do. And when I started this process, I went to a conference with Triple X Church and kind of getting to spend two days with Craig and hear his heart um, for the industry definitely like kind of continued that passion of these people need to be reached and, and the church really isn't reaching them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to go off script here for just a minute. Okay. I gave you, gave you some questions, but I'm going to ask you one quick question. I think you'd be answer it very easily. I honestly can't remember if Ron said this um, the other Friday night or not, but I know I've heard him say it before that he finds uh, pornography to be empowering to women. How would you respond to that? And not just pornography, but the, the whole sex industry. You know, he says it's empowering. What's your, what's your response to that? I think that's what they want you to believe. Um, yeah. And I think there's even some women out there that would say, I feel empowered doing this. Um, I, I can tell you from um, the things I've read and, and even from listening to Craig that there's a lot of women in this industry that are very broken um, and that maybe feel like this is their only option. Um, and maybe 
they got into it thinking, oh, man, this is exciting, this is cool, um, but kind of like, and Ron even touched on it, um, and I think Craig might have said it as well, like, lust doesn't satisfy, and so um, you have to keep going, and it gets darker and darker, and so maybe you start off saying, I'm just going to strip, and, and two years later, you know, you're doing things that you never thought you were going to do, uh, because it's just, it's a dark industry. Mm-hmm. How, which leads to my next question. How do women, how do women get into this? Because I, I'm, I'm guessing that no little girl grows up thinking, I want to grow up and be a stripper. So how do they, how do they get into that industry? Um, I, I believe the stories are probably as different as the women in the industry. And we don't know a lot of women that came from the industry, but Overwhelmingly, the statistics show that um, anywhere from 60 to 90 percent of women in this industry were abused as children. So they had their innocence stolen from them at a very young age. And that kind of sets them down a path of feeling like they're not worthy um, and they don't have value. Um, 89 percent of women in the sex industry say they want to leave, but they have no other means for survival. So they, they don't know how to pay their bills, how to kind of rebuild their life from what was taken from them. Um, a lot of, uh, there's a, a portion of them that are impoverished or that come from domestic violence situations. And it's really kind of what I've seen is that it's, it's a desperate cry that says, I don't know what else to do. I met, um, a girl that, um, runs a ministry in Indy, and she left the industry about seven years ago, and she said to me, she said, I felt like I didn't matter, and I felt like it didn't matter what I did, so I could strip, and that was okay, because I didn't have purpose and value as a person, so that's that's what I could do, and that's how I could pay my bills. Um, there's also a huge demand for the industry, uh, as we kind of heard a little bit about this weekend. And I was looking on Triple um, X Church's website, and they say that 70% of men, 18 to 28, regularly view porn sites. So uh, wherever there's high demand, there's always supply. So um, since there's a huge demand for it, there's no shortage of um, ability for women to either willingly go in or uh, get tricked into the industry. You know, you were talking about this a moment ago, and it's really fascinating to me because as, as I was doing some research leading up to this, um, mental health professionals talk about the fact that there is a tendency for people who've been through extreme personal trauma to recreate that trauma over and over and over throughout their lives to the point that it becomes part of the just the warp and the woof of their life. I mean, it's just part of the fabric of who they are. And so they just keep recreating that trauma. And it is true that many of the women that are either in pornography or in uh, who are stripping or other kinds of things, prostitution, are people who were abused, often sexually, as children. And they've just, that's what they know love to be. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's not love, right. but it, they continue to recreate that trauma, which, you know, I think it, I, I, I hope that as, as men, if men can understand that, that when they're watching a woman who is stripping or when they're watching pornography or something, they're not watching a person who is 
enjoying this. They're watching a person who has been deeply abused and deeply wounded and deeply scarred, and they're recreating that trauma over and over and over again. And the, many of them feel like that they don't matter as people mm-hmm. and that what they do doesn't matter. I, I'd, um, I was talking to a lady that runs a ministry in Nashville, and something she said to me was, a lot of these women at their, in their heart hate men um, because they've, they've mm-hmm. suffered abuse at the hands of them. And so a stripping is a way to have control. And when they're up there, they're in control, and they kind of have the upper hand. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a lot of, of brokenness in that. You know, for us, stripping is where we want to start, but that's really kind of the, the tip of the um, mm-hmm. iceberg of all the things going on underneath and in their hearts. How do you guys, what's your strategy? Because my guess is that this is not, this isn't quick results. I mean, this is going to, I mean, you know that. It's going to be a long, uh, slow process that, you know, a lot of nonprofit organizations, a lot of ministries want to point to um, specific results. How many people we baptized this year? How many people we saved this year? Whatever, because results get people to want to be a part of it and they want to contribute to it and the results. But this is going to be a ministry, I would guess, you tell me if I'm wrong, but this is a ministry that I would guess that like, if you have one person a year that comes out of that industry, that would be phenomenal results. Agree, disagree? What's uh, your strategy? I agree. Um, our hope and our heart is that we want to love and care for these women. Um, they are broken, hurting individuals. And um, as someone told me, some of them have heard the idea that God loves them. But most of them have never experienced a Christian caring for them. And because of that, they're going to be skeptical of us. They're going to be kind of putting us through uh, the ringer of are we legit? Are we there? Do we care about them? Are we going to show up for one week and leave? Um, So it's going to take some time for us to build those relationships because ultimately that's what we want. We want to build friendships. And friendships don't happen Overnight, They don't happen when you show up one time with lip gloss and then you never show up again. So our heart in this is to keep going and to be present and to show up. And we are and have been told that this is a very slow ministry, that these women are very broken. And so they, they may take a long time to open up. They may take a long time to realize that there's something better for them. And... I also believe very strongly that Christ is is the answer, and he is the rescuer and the restorer. That is not our job. That's Christ's job. So um, we will never come back and tell you how many girls we have rescued, because that's not my story. That's um, Christ's story of intervening in their life. Um, What we do hope is that we can build relationships and that we can be support so that at some point um, we are praying that they will leave the industry. That is our heart. Um, And we can be there to walk alongside them and to help them through that. You know, Christ died on the cross to meet us in our mess, not to meet us when our life is put together. And so, um, you know, we want to kind of meet these women where they are. They're they're in a strip club stripping. And um, so... Hard is to go to them and to say, hey, you know, we're going to be here and we're going to love you because we believe that Christ died on the cross for you and that you are important, um, regardless of what you're choosing to do right now. 
So, so what, it, like, f- forgive me here, cause I'm totally ignorant about this. Do you take them baskets? Do you, uh, sh- like, uh, candy? Do, what, what do you do? I, I mean, I don't um, have any idea what you would do. Well, we're hoping to take little gift bags um, with things that would make them feel special. So nail polish, lip gloss, girly things that just say, hey, we want you to feel important. We want you to feel special. We don't want you to feel like you're a charity case, um, that you need help, but we want to make you feel like you really matter as a person. And so um, maybe one month that's, you know, cute cupcakes that we decorated. Maybe one month that is, um, you know, gift cards to Starbucks. We're kind of hoping that people will have ideas in their head and help us um, with that aspect of it. Um, But the ministries around the country kind of, they do all sorts of different things and it's somewhat geographical dependent. Um, But the gifts are really just a way to get in the door. Um, They're a way to kind of start that conversation. But um, really we want to just be able to spend a little bit of time with them in the clubs, getting to know them, getting to know their stories I'm starting to build those relationships. And our kind of long-term hope is that we can have a Bible study outside of the club um, just geared for them. And we know that's going to take some time because they're not going to come to a Bible study if they don't know us and they aren't sure of us. But that's our hope um, kind of in the next year or so is to be able to have a place for them outside of the club to come and get to know us. You know, I knew a church one time that had a, uh, they had a number of women in the church that were, <laughs> what do you, um, hairdressers, what, what do you call that? What, what, is that what you call it, hairdressers, hair, yeah. hair, hair do what, what do you, hairstylists, hairstylists, <laughs> bingo, and they did, and I thought this was so sweet, they did a, a uh, for people not in the church, but people that were outside, they did, uh, like, a ma- they did makeovers for free for women, and I, it, it, it and for a lot of women like this. And I thought that was just such a sweet idea, a tangible way yep. to demonstrate love and compassion for people that probably don't have that happen to them very often. How could the people of City Church, if they wanted to, help with this? Um, you know, I, I'm guessing that this is not a ministry that you need, like, a lot of guys but <laughs> in some places you might have a lot of guys volunteering, but this is not that kind of a ministry. Although I'm sure that there is some role for men, but um, how could the people of City Church help? What, how could we get involved to help you with this? Well, uh, first and foremost, I would ask that you pray. We are convinced that this ministry is going to go nowhere without prayer. And we are also convinced that there is an enemy out there that does not want us within 10 feet of this minis- of this industry. He has them in his grips. Um, it's a dark industry, and, and he doesn't want us in there. He doesn't want the light in there. So we really, really would covet your prayers. And there's kind of uh, two levels to that. Um, if you are part of a small group, um, you want to add us to your prayer list. Um, We have a newsletter that we're going to send out once a month. You can give us your email address, and we'll put some prayer requests in that. Our um, plan is to go to the clubs on a a Wednesday night, and we want to have a prayer team 
um, in a physical spot praying for us while we are in the clubs. So if you have some availability um, one Wednesday night a month, we would love for you to come. Um, We'll meet together before our outreach team goes to the clubs and pray, and then we'll leave um, some kind of prayer requests of, hey, while we're in the club, here are things we would really like you to be praying for. The kind of second area, um, oh, I touched on a little bit, but if you have a knack for making things look pretty or gifts is your love language, um, we would love some groups, um, some individuals that would be willing to kind of adopt one month of our outreach and help us put together uh, gifts for the women. Um, we're also going to take gifts for the bouncers and the managers. Um, we need them on our side to let us in. So um, it's not a huge commitment because we're only going to go to one club and it's not super big. But um, that's kind of another way that you can get involved. The third area is kind of the one spot I, I could use some guys. Um, we connected with a ministry in India, and one of the things they recommended to us was to have a married couple drive the outreach team to the club and then have them sit in the car, the husband and wife, and kind of pray while we were in the club and then kind of be there to, to drive us home. Um, there's kind of twofold reasons for that. One, so that as an outreach team, we can focus on uh, what we're doing, and two, it's a level of safety so that if for some reason we need to get away, we've got a getaway car. Um, so if, if that's something you and your husband might be interested in, um, taking a month and saying, hey, we'll drive this month, um, we would uh, love uh, to kind of get to know you and, and see if that would be something you could do. And then kind of the last area um, is our outreach team and We are very protective of those people. Um, I feel very strongly that if I'm going to take you into a dark environment, um, I I need to know you and I need to feel confident in um, who you are. But if if you've listened to this today and you just say, gosh, I need to be there. I need to to be in in the clubs or I have a heart for those women or I have a story. um, We want to talk to you. We want to get to know you and kind of figure out what that might look like in the future. Man, I tell you something, I'm really proud of what you guys are doing and really proud to be associated with you guys in any way that we can as a church. And you're a a tremendous spokesperson, very articulate, and uh, just a great spokesperson for your organization. Afterwards, you've got a table uh, outside that's got uh, information, and you'll be back there. If people would like to come and talk to you, they can do that. And I would encourage you guys, if, uh, if you would like to help them, Financially, you could do that. If you'd like to help them in terms of making gifts or something, you can do that. But I would encourage you to help be a part of this tremendous ministry. And just want to say thank you so much, Amanda, for being here and for being willing to talk us through this. And I'd like to say a word of prayer for you, if I can. Lord, what a ministry. And uh, this is truly a part of going to the remotest part of the earth to reach people. Uh, in places where there's not only literal darkness, but there's uh, spiritual darkness as well. And I pray for Amanda and all of those that would be a part of this ministry. Lord, your power is present in them through the Holy Spirit. And I pray that they would sense your power working in them and through them. Lord, I I pray too that there would be people here at City Church and uh, in other churches around the area that would catch a vision for this ministry, that would want to be a part of this ministry in some way, whether it's investing financially or or tangibly helping in some way. 
I pray for their safety, Lord. I pray that you would protect them physically. I pray that you would protect them spiritually. But I pray, Lord, that also that there would be things that would come out of this ministry. There would be women that would, uh, that would leave the industry and that they would suddenly begin to understand that they have a man in you, Lord Jesus Christ, that they can trust and who wants to love them in the way that they were designed and born to be loved. And I pray that they would sense your compassion through these women. Lord, thank you for Amanda and for the vision that you've given her. And our Lord, we pray for her and we pray for this ministry in your name. Amen.